The first reading today comes from a, a section from the prophet Isaiah that has all kinds of beautiful scripture quotations that teach us about the nature of God and his relation to us. And they emphasize two things. One, this God I believe in is a God infinitely close to me, and yet, at the same time, he's transcendent. He's other. And so we hear some, uh, this one comes from the tradition, St. Augustine meditating on this section says, God who is closer to me than I am to myself. God is even closer to me than I am to myself. We get this quotation, I have carved you in the palm of my hand. We can picture here a whittler working on a little statue and how that whittler would know every crack, every line, every rough patch, every smooth patch, every detail of his little work of art he's working on, and that's how God knows us too. What mother would forget her child? What kind of mother would forget her child? Of course, no mother. But yet, even if a mother would forget, I won't forget you. Beautiful passages emphasizing God's nearness to us. And yet his transcendence is stressed too. We hear stuff like this over and over again. To whom can you compare me? I'm God. Of course there's no one. I'm not one object in the world. I'm above the world. I'm the source of the world. And so there's no one to whom you can compare me. We hear lines like this. I am who work and who can hinder it? God's omnipotence. When I hear that line, I who work and who can hinder it, who can slow it down, I picture Jerome Bettis, Steelers running back, running through defenses. Who can hinder him? No one, of course. No one can slow him down. If I've lost you, just YouTube Jerome Bettis highlights. You'll know what I'm talking about. It'll be well worth it. And who knew, by the way, all those years of NFL watching would teach me so much about God. And yet it has. <laughs> I work and who can hinder it? Who can slow me down? I, I am the Lord and there is no savior but me. I'm totally unique. I'm your only savior. And finally, we get this in the first reading, my favorite, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways above your ways and my thoughts above your thoughts. God is both, both closer than I am to myself and also at the same time, he's totally other, totally transcendent, and no one can be compared to him. I think this is both a comfort, but it's challenging too. It's comforting because I can always be confident and I can always rely on the nearness of God, no matter the circumstances. I can always rely on the fact that God's knowledge of me and knowledge of my situation is perfect. It doesn't miss a single detail. And yet, it's a little challenging too. Every time I think I have God figured out or that I have my spiritual life or prayer figured out or that I think I got this nice plan that I can just execute in peace, I end up radically underestimating God. I end up putting him in a box. And I'm no longer open to be shaped by him according to his own plan and his own desires. 
We could talk about all kinds of ways in which it's hard to understand what God is doing and why. And all kinds of ways that it's incumbent on me, it's required of me to respond with humility when I get humbled and I try to put God in a box and I get knocked off my horse. One example is suffering. It's hard to know what's God's doing, what God is doing sometimes, what his plan is sometimes, and to respond with humility and trust. But the gospel brings up another time where it's hard to understand what God's doing, where it's hard to understand God, and I have to respond with humility before him. And it's not something we normally think about. When God's goodness is manifested, when I can see it, but I see it in someone else's life. When I see the goodness of God towards someone else, and I become jealous. Anyone who listens to the parable in the gospel would be, understandably, I think, surprised by the clear lesson Jesus is trying to get across. One might hear this story of the laborers who get a, the same amount as everyone else, even though they worked much, much less. As the gospel says, they did not bear the sun's heat. And yet, and yet, they get the same amount as everyone else. If we put ourselves in the place of the laborers who worked all day, I think I would grumble too. If we put ourselves in their place when the master responds, hey, I didn't cheat you. I gave you what was promised. I think we might feel the injustice with them, especially consider these guys have been working 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. The other guys, 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. I think we all know what that's like to do a six to six. And I think we can all readily say, I'd be upset too. We might feel that injustice go to rage when the master, he, he even seems to like goad them a little bit after that. Hey, I didn't cheat you. Well, come on, they got the same amount. Hey, what's your deal, man? Are you angry because I am jealous or because I am generous? Are you jealous because I am generous and because I am good? In the Hebrew, it literally says, is your eye evil because I am good? To the Hebrews, when you get jealous and when you get envious, you give people the stink eye and you glare at them. And so they literally call it having the evil eye. For the laborers, this moment is actually a moment where God's mercy in his goodness, which goes beyond their expectation, something beyond what they normally expect and can understand the goodness and mercy of God, something that's normally a consolation to us. I can trust in God's mercy, and it's bigger than, than what I can comprehend. But for here, because it's manifested in the life of someone else, someone's giving, getting mercy and goodness even beyond what they deserve. It's now an obstacle to them because it's not for me in this moment. And they get envious and they get sad and they get upset. When I see the goodness of God in someone else's life, especially someone I don't like, someone I struggle with, especially when I might know a thing or two about their life and I'm like, don't they? 
They don't deserve that. Don't the, doesn't God know what kind of person they're like? Doesn't so-and-so who promoted them know what, kind of, what they do? They don't deserve that. When that happens, the rule of charity says, and the rule of charity is this, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. When that happens, the rule of charity says, their good is my good. Love your neighbor as yourself. What is good for them, the mercy that they're receiving behind their wildest expectations, beyond what they deserve, that good is my good too. And their joy is my joy too. And their gratitude is my gratitude too. You'll notice that envy leaves us in the opposite place. Envy is all about seeing a good thing happen to someone else, a good quality in them, a good happening to them, and seeing God's goodness in it, and I am left sad. I am left upset. I am left feeling like there's an injustice here. Yes, God is other, and he is free, and his ways are not my ways, his thoughts are not my thoughts. Normally that's comforting to us, but sometimes when it's manifested in someone else, it gets to be a little obstacle. And that obstacle is called envy. The rule of charity, where does it lead us? Their good is my good. Their joy is my joy. And their gratitude is my gratitude.